listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Coming to you from the Windy City Slam Studios in the southwest suburbs of Chicago, this is Windy City Slam Podcast. Welcome on in everyone, Mike Pankow here, the founder and editor of WindyCitySlam.com and the host of Windy City Slam Podcast. And welcome to episode number 146. Very excited to be welcoming to the show for the very first time. Longtime wrestling personality, announcer, and manager in promotions such as the Lunatic Wrestling Federation and Pro Wrestling Blitz, Billy Whack. Plus, we have a new AEW champion. We have a new CSW champion. Survivor Series is coming up, and we'll recap a big weekend, including Freelance, Freelance Underground, and the craziness of all heel wrestling. And all that's coming up. Right after this on Windy City Slam Podcast. Stay tuned. Wrestling fans often talk about psychology in the squared circle, but what about your individual psychology and mental health? The counselors at True Heights Treatment offer in person or virtual appointments. To learn more, go to www.trueheightstx.com. Or give them a call at 708-248-7039. My name is Storm Grayson and I'm your freelance underground independent champion. And you're listening to the Windy City Slam Podcast. Welcome back to Windy City Slam Podcast. Let's get into AEW Full Gear. This past Saturday night, November the 19th, at the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. And... We have a new AEW World Champion, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, MJF. And we're going to run down the show real quick. Steel Cage match. We had Jungle Boy Jack Perry defeating Luchasaurus by a submission. And the AEW World Trios Championship. Now they're doing a best of seven. This is really interesting. And this was match one of the best of seven series. And Death Triangle, the defending champs of PAC. Penta El Zeromiedo and Ray Phoenix, they defeat the elite of Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks to go up 1-0 in the best of seven series. Match two will be this Wednesday night live on AEW Dynamite at the Wintrust Arena in the South Loop of Chicago. And then we have the AEW TBS Championship. Jade Cargill remains undefeated. Great Chitara ring gear. She defeats Nyla Rose by pinfall. And Nyla Rose and Vicky Guerrero come out in an Eddie Guerrero tribute lowrider. That was really, really cool as well. But Jade Cargill, still the TBS champion. One of the matches of the night was the four-way match for the ROH World Championship. Chris Jericho retains as the Ocho holds off Brian Danielson, Claudio Castagnoli, and Sammy Guevara when Jericho pins Castagnoli following the Judas Effect elbow. And Soraya, formerly Paige, makes her Big in-ring comeback and AEW in-ring debut, defeating Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, by pinfall. 
AEW TNT Championship. Samoa Joe wins the title from Wardlow. He also defeated Powerhouse Hobbs when he choked out Hobbs. And then in a no disqualification tag team match, Sting and Darby Allen defeat Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. AEW World Women's Championship, the interim title. Jamie Hayter is your new interim champion, defeating Tony Storm by pinfall. AEW World Tag Team Championships, the acclaimed Max Caster and Anthony Bowens defeat Swerve in Our Glory. Swerve Frickland and Keith Lee by pinfall. And it looks like maybe Swerve in Our Glory might be just about done as a team. And in your main event, the AEW World Championship, MJF defeats John Moxley to win the title. And it's revealed that William Regal was colluding with MJF. MJF uses Regal's famous Brax Nooks to nail Moxley and then get the pinfall. This is going to be an interesting time for AEW with MJF as the champion. We'll see where they go with him from here. WWE Survivor Series is this Saturday night, November the 26th. Just four matches announced so far at press time. But this is going to be a lot of fun because there's going to be war games on the main roster. One for the men, one for the women. The men's war games match is the bloodline with Roman Reigns, Sol Sokoa, Sami Zayn, and the Usos taking on the brawling brutes, Sheamus, Ridge Holland, and Butch, Drew McIntyre, and Kevin Owens. And then there will be a women's war games from the Raw brand. We have Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss, Asuka, Mia Yim, and one partner to be determined. Taking on Bailey, Dakota Kai, Io Sky, Nikki Cross, and Rhea Ripley. And then we have a singles match with AJ Styles with the OC at his side against Finn Balor with Judgment Day at his side. And for the SmackDown Women's Championship, Ronda Rousey defends against Shotzi. We'll probably get a couple of more matches or so added to the show, but seeing war games on the main roster should be really cool, and I'm counting on Triple H to deliver a great show. All right, let's get to the local action, and there is a ton of it and a ton of great news coming out of this weekend. For the CSW Championship, two out of three falls, Axel Rico did it. He defeats Joey Jet Avalon, two falls to one, to finally become the CSW champion. Now, Avalon called general manager Steve Aaron into the ring. He handed Aaron his shovel. He banned Sierra from ringside. And then he said he was going to fight fair and square. And he actually did. And to Joey Jet Avalon, he did it with honor. And Axel Rico wins the championship, but it was not easy. It was one fall apiece. The Hate Keepers, formerly known as the Black and Brave Army, tried to interfere like they did last month during the Axel Rico Championship match, but were driven away by the CSW locker room. Axel then hits a running knee, and the entire locker room explodes as the three count is made, and Axel Rico, this guy deserves it, man. And even like a year and a half ago, I wrote a story for WindyCitySlam.com detailing five acts that I think will be signed in the near future. And Axel Rico was on that list. And I believe that because he's a guy that can do everything. He could do comedy. He could do serious wrestling. He has a character. He's great in the ring. He's got the all-around package. And I think Axel Rico will have a big-time job somewhere in the next couple of years. But for now, 
He's your CSW champion. Also at Second City Showdown 2, and these results were courtesy of the GM of CSW, the great Steve Arendt. Shane Hollister defeats Marche Rocket. And your CSW Women's Championship, Sierra is your new. Defeating Heather Reckless, Ashley Dembois, and Shelly the Bombshell. So congratulations to Sierra. CSW Tag Team Championships, the hate keepers of Shane Boucher and Jay Marston, retain over the Dope Kings, Filth King Brubaker, and CJ Esparza in a Chicago street fight. Adam Stallion defeats Shalance Royal, who was subbing for Davey Richards. And in a three-way match, Joey Marbury defeats Moondog Murray and Doom Montgomery. Ring of Destiny match, and this was huge 10-man match, and it came down to Conan Lycan pinning Cody James at the very end to be the number one contender for the CSW Championship. Also in this match were Jax Johnson, Iniestra, Acid Jazz, Ryan Matthews, TJ Steele, Solomon Tupu, Steve Boz, and Cypher. And Big Mood, Mateo Valentine, and Jack Moody defeat the tandems of Alpha Zeta Zeta, Marco Anthony and Sean Mulligan, and Team Babushka of Mario Pardua, and Eric Schultz to become the number one contenders for the CSW Championship. Willie the Bomb Richardson was inducted into the CSW Hall of Fame. Great turnout by a lot of the former Windy City wrestlers, a lot of other great old-time wrestlers coming to support Willie's induction. But Chris Miller tried to interrupt the proceedings and the bomb, Willie Richardson, dropped the bomb and delivered a beating on Chris Miller. And also a highlight of the show, Cypher emancipated himself from Heather Reckless, chokeslamming her. All right, this past Friday night, November the 18th, we had Freelance Wrestling's Black Halo at Logan Square Auditorium. In the Sheelance Scramble, Laney defeats Blair Onyx, Kayla Cassidy, Queen Amanada, and Guerrera de Brezenas. And in a match where if Storm Grayson won, he would get a championship match against Robert Eagle Anthony at next month's Freelance Show at the Logan Square Auditorium. But Mysterious Q knocks off Storm Grayson after interference from that dastardly Frank the Clown. And then we had Kylie Ray defeating Carlos Romo. For the Freelance Tag Team Championships, the Bang Bros, Davey Bang and August Matthews, successfully defend the title over the Golden Gods of Gringo Loco and Golden Dragon. Craig Mitchell beats Blake Christian in a four-on-four survivor match. Team Nix of Matt Nix, Stan the Dead, Saban Gage, and Xavier Sky defeats the team of Trevor Outlaw, Coco Lane, Darius Luttrell, and Coder Hernandez. Now, it was down to two-on-two. It appeared Team Outlaw was going to have the advantage when Darius Luttrell attempted to pin Dan to dead. But Trevor, as he is, let his ego get in the way, and he broke up his own team's pinfall. Then Luttrell was all pissed off, left the ring, and was counted out. Big mistake, Trevor, because you should have let Darius get the pin. It would have been a two-on-one advantage. You and Darius against Matt Nix, but... Ego took over, but then Outlaw gets pinned after that, leaving Nyx and Dan the Dead as the sole survivors. And in your main event, a hell of a match, Brian Keith retains the Freelance Legacy Championship by pinning GPA. And then we go on to Saturday night, November the 19th, 
freelance undergrounds. They call me Boombots at the Thornton Distilling Company in Thornton. Wrestling for a Cure Championship match. The tag team titles were on the line. Davey Bang and August Matthews of the Bang Bros defeat Mark Wheeler and Taylor Rising after the Bang Bros hit their riding the bus spear. Chico Suave upsets Joe Alonzo via a counter pin, even after Alonzo low blow Chico. Wes Barkley pins Gunner Brave after hitting him with a foreign object. For the Freelance Underground Tag Team Championships, pick and pop. Darius Luttrell and Coda Hernandez, they retain the titles over Jesse V and Evan Greenaway as Hernandez pins Greenaway after a high-angle DDT. In another great match, Freelance Underground Independent Championship, Storm Grayson retains, pinning Carlos Romo after the V-trigger knee strike. Tag team action, we had PME of Philly C and Marino T. They knock off the first couple of Chicago wrestling, GPA and Laney, when Philly C pins Laney following a sunset dream. And in your main event, this was about a 20-minute classic. The Freelance Underground Championship, Calvin Tankman pins Brian Keith after a Tankman driver. And this sets up the big Freelance Underground Heavyweight Championship match at next month's show in Joliet on December the 17th. Project Monix challenging Calvin Tankman. This is where the whole final phase kind of began for Project Monix. And now it's coming full circle when Tankman faces off against Monix. And a little bit of an announcement here. Project Monix will be joining the show within the next few weeks to preview that big match. Very excited to have Project Monix back on the show. And Sunday, November the 20th, yes, this past weekend, I was ringside at All Heel Wrestling's WrestleHaven. And this was at Starlight Skate Park in Winthrop Harbor, just a few miles south of the Illinois-Wisconsin border. And this was a crazy, crazy show. And it started off with Hot Rod Daddy Andy winning the pre-show battle royal, last eliminating train wrecker. And now Andy will get a future championship match of AHW owner King Torch's choosing. And to start the main show, All Heel Wrestling Champion Mateo Valentine celebrated his championship victory from over the summer. And then the dog-faced bastard Moondog Murray and Joey Mayberry both confronted the champion. Then leading into the Moondog Murray defeating Joey Mayberry match after Murray hits the double stomp from the top rope. AHW Change of Fortune Championship, Kenzie James defeats Kota Holiday after hitting a modified cutter on Holiday on the skate ramp and then double stomping Holiday to get the pin. But Holiday's next level soldier's partner, Jax Johnson, comes out, attacks Kenzie, Holiday joins in on the 2 on one beatdown, and they leave Kenzie James laying. And then we had Metalhead making his AHW debut with the trademark, the promoter from Northland Pro. And we're going to hear a lot more about Northland Pro during this show. Metalhead defeats Armando Alvarez. And this was a glorified squash because Metalhead's a big dude. He hits a boss man slam to get the pin on Armando. And then we had Eric Schultz, the legal counsel of AHW, pinning Jax Johnson following a cutter. And in a hell of a women's championship match, AHW women's champion Leslie Namuneka retains the title 
But Missa Kate wins by disqualification when Heather Reckless attacked Missa. And also, the trademark was out at ringside to spectate the match. And why was trademark there? Well, after the match, trademark extends his hand to Leslie Namuneka. And Leslie joins Team Northland. Wow. Did not see that coming. And then we had the AHW Hybrid Championship. It was a hardcore match, and it turned out to be a three-way match. This was interesting because Percy Drews, the champion, and demented Chucky Bates simultaneously got the pin on Sean Priest. And it's a little bit of a, a cluster mess here. And after the match, AHW Commissioner the Heathen declares that Drews is still the champion but he will face Bates for the title at AHW's next show. Number one contender for the AHW Midwestern Championship, veteran Paulie Tomaselli pins Mo Foley. And then we had Gunnar Wicks, the former AHW heavyweight champion. He pins perfection after a spear. Crazy tag team match coming up here, man. Wow. And it went all over the skate park on ramps and jumps and all kinds of objects used and chairs flying around and all kinds of craziness. It was Ghetto Gear Solid, Cass Carter, and Rough Rider Rashawn. They retained their titles against country era of Zach Hendricks and Doc Simmons. But this went to a no contest. There was not a winner, but it was still a retention for Ghetto Gear Solid. And initially, this was interesting. Cass comes out by himself, said Rashawn was stuck in traffic. But a few minutes into the match, while it was two on one, a giant box moves itself into position at ringside. Yeah, a, a big cardboard box just kind of moves by itself. We had to know somebody was in the box, and it was Rough Rider Rashawn coming out from under the box, jumping the members of Country Air from behind, joining the fray. And after things finally seemed to settle down, Xavier DeFost of Bad Ombre Cartel comes out attacks the members of Country Air, and he says that Bad Ombre Cartel wants a piece of this tag team championship rivalry. It's going to be interesting to see how Bad Ombre Cartel figures into all this. And then, Blair Onyx pinning Heather Reckless following a DDT to become the number one contender to the All Heel Wrestling Women's Championship. And in your main event, All Heel Wrestling Midwestern Champion Cody James faced CJ Cole, and we have a new champion. CJ Cole pins Cody James to win the title when Gunner Wicks comes out, spears Cody James to gain a measure of events for his interference at All Hill Wrestling 4 a few months ago that screwed Wicks out of the AHW Heavyweight Championship. Now, when Cody James went for his finish, he spun Cole, and Cole's feet bumped referee Joe Coley, knocking him down, and then that led to Wix's spear and then C.J. Cole's victory. During the match, the trademark was banned from ringside, but Leslie Amuneka remained in James's corner. After the match, Team Northland came out. In unison, the trademark, Metalhead, and Leslie stayed with them to confront A.H.W. Brass. Trademark knocks out King Torch and Torch's son, Damien, with brass knuckles and actually opened both of them up. Wow, crazy stuff. Pauly Tomaselli and Gunner Wicks even the odds to force Team Northland to retreat. 
And afterward, King Torch declared the war has begun on Northland, and they will be visiting Northland Pro's next show in Woodstock in December. Stay tuned for more coverage from WindyCitySlam.com from this crazy all-heel wrestling show this past weekend. Coming up this week, we have AEW Dynamite on Wednesday night, November the 23rd at Wintrust Arena in Chicago. There'll also be a Rampage taping, and there'll also be tapings for AEW Dark. And you might see some folks locally on that show, including possibly the birthday girl, Missa Kate. Also Wednesday night, ARW presents Black and Blue Wednesday at the American Legion 100 in Lake Station, Indiana. And probably one of the biggest local shows of the weekend, Friday, November the 25th, AAW Pro presents the Windy City Classic 17 at 115 Bourbon Street in Marionette Park. Bell time is 7.30, a live taping begins at 6.45, and just some of the matches you will see on this show, AAW Championship, Big Beef, Gnarls Garvin, a recent guest on Windy City Slam podcast, and you can catch the interview with Big Beef in the Windy City Slam archives or wherever you find your podcasts. And Big Beef challenges the champion, Jake Something. AAW Women's Championship, Sierra looking to win her second local championship. She challenges Christy James. Dog collar chain match, we have Fred Yehi against One Called Manders. The Bourbon Street fight, we have Mike Bennett against Hartenbauer. This should be electric. Blake Christian takes on Zachary Wentz. And six-person tag team action, Schaff, Russ Jones, and Heather Reckless take on Conan Lycan, Solomon Tupu, and Joe Alonzo. Plus, you'll see the AAW return of Vance Warner, AAW Heritage Champion Davey Vega, AAW Tag Team Champion Jossie, Silas Young, Ren Jones, Levi Everett, Nate Webb, Gary J, Calvin Tankman, Gringo Loco, and Ace Perry. Another loaded show from AAW. Also this weekend, Friday, November the 25th, Fourth Wall Wrestling presents Attitude at the La Pica Lounge in Milwaukee. Also Friday night, the 25th, Legacy Pro Wrestling's The Black Friday Brawl at Buena Vista Banquets in Milwaukee. Saturday, November the 26th, Backbreaker Wrestling's Mega Clash 5 in Griffith, Indiana. Saturday, November the 26th, Racine Championship Wrestling presents November Knockout in Racine at the Martin Luther King Center. Saturday, November the 26th, Crash Tested Wrestling presents Crash Givings at the Morgan Monroe Hall in Hobart. That should be a pretty fun card as well. There's going to be some Survivor Series-style matches there. And then Saturday, November the 26th, we have Janesville Wrestling Alliance Thanksgiving Throwdown at the Glen Aaron Golf Club in Janesville. And Sunday, November the 27th, Ileana Pro Wrestling at the VFW Post in Richton Park. All right, coming up in moments, you've been waiting for it. Legendary promoter, announcer, commentator, you name it, manager. Billy Whack. Stay tuned. Want to get more customers for your business? Promoters, do you want more exposure for your upcoming event? Windy City Slam Podcast can be your tag team partner. Advertise with Windy City Slam and reach wrestling fans in the Chicagoland area and in the Midwest. 
message us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or email MikePankow at WindyCitySlam.com. That's M-I-K-E-P-A-N-K-O-W at WindyCitySlam.com. Brand new SSW Tag Team Champion, the Punk Rock Prince, Jordan Cross, here live at the Cross Out in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And you are checking out my best friends over at Windy City Slam Podcast. Mike Pankow, you are the man. Make sure to subscribe, like, follow, share, and everything else. And you can follow me at The Jordan Cross. I am the Punk Rock Prince. Thank you. All right, back here on Windy City Slam Podcast and a much-anticipated guest for yours truly, we welcome to the show for the very first time, longtime wrestling personality, announcer, manager, in promotions such as the Lunatic Wrestling Federation, the LWF, and Pro Wrestling Blitz, ladies and gentlemen, Billy Wack. Billy. Hello. Hello, everyone. How's everybody doing? I, I don't expect an answer, but, you know, how are you doing? I'm good, Billy. Um, how are you today? Great. It's great. All right. Let's get this thing started. Um, first things first, let's get to kind of the modern day. Um, I actually kind of got reintro- reintroduced to you a couple of years ago at SSW where you were managing Jordan Cross. And you have a long connection with the Cross family. And at the last SSW show in October, you let young Jordan Cross and Salem Crane to the SSW Tech Team Championships. And on the other side was a guy named Mad Mark. So let's talk a little bit about your relationship with the Crosses. Well, all right. So we, so I go back years, back to pro wrestling blitz with, uh, especially with Ryan Cross and Jeff Luxon. Um, and uh, so it was just natural. Uh, Ryan Cross called me up. It's like, hey, uh, can, can you keep an eye on my son? And I said, absolutely. I would love to do this. And uh, Jordan Cross is the future of wrestling. Take, I mean, take a look at the guy. He's he's on his way. So keep an eye on Jordan Cross. And I was just glad to be a part of of any of that. And Jordan is just, uh, he's really improving by day. Yeah. I've seen him for like the last three years and the, the body's starting to get there. Yep. Uh, the in-ring work is excellent, I think. He, he sells really well. He's one of the best sellers I see on the scene around the Midwest. He is. He's just a really good kid as well. I was just really excited that they that they put me with him. I, 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 they told me, they're like, oh, it's like an honor to, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, no, no, no. You, you guys are keeping me relevant, and this is great. So, like, Jordan Cross, I, he's fantastic. Plus, he's a big Transformers fan, you know? Masters of the Universe, Transformers, G.I. Joe, all that stuff, the Cross family. So, with that kind of kinship, you know, what could go wrong? We'll get into that a little bit more later on in the show with all the toys and stuff like that, because trust me, I have plenty of them, too, and great, great stories as well. Awesome. And... You like you said, you managed Ryan Cross and Dr. Jeff Luxon at Pro Wrestling Blitz some years ago. So, how long have you gone back with the Cross family? Is it since Blitz, or was there anything before that? Uh, I mean, well, de- definitely, definitely Blitz. Um, but I think w- like we were aware of each other and stuff like that. You know, coming up, it, coming up in the Chicago scene, you just you hear names and you know who's who and you check stuff out. But like, I think we officially worked together was the first time in Blitz. Yeah, it was like what 10, 12 years or so ago. My God. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, it it's been it's been that long. It's been a long time. 
And speaking of pro wrestling blitz, uh, they were known for putting on some pretty darn big events, uh, particularly those uh, wrestle fests, like wrestle fest, the big, like the biggest stuff in the area going. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wrestle fest five in particular was one I actually attended as a fan and, that thing was amazing. 3,000 people at the sweat box known as the Julia Park District. <laughs> right, right. And, we and had... it was like each year, it was like, how are we going to get better and better each year? Yeah. It was it was crazy. Like, a, can you top this? And that year in particular was the year you had like Kurt Angle and, and Kevin Nash and Scott yeah. Steiner and DDP was a surprise. Lisa right? Marie Varen and Sabu and Rhino and... Uh, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure if it was the same year. No, it was probably the next year or something, but like it was the same thing. Uh, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Eric Bischoff, yeah. you know, like, wow, Jesus, you know, it was just it was great, a great time for Chicago wrestling. Yeah, that was the one in Romeoville, I think a year or two later then to get that, yes. that whole outsiders deal in there with Bischoff was amazing. Yes. Yeah. But going back to five, and that was a show that led off with Marche Rocket and Grin in a ladder match. And that was a terrific match. And then it main evented with Rough Crossing and Al Snow. And you had all these other stars and celebrities and people mixed in. And it was quite the experience. So what, what are your memories from that show? My memories from that, I was, uh, I was uh, graced enough to be the booker at the time. Uh, one of them. And uh, we put to, I remember putting together that show and it was crazy. It was all hands on deck. We were all running around. Uh, the thing I was the most proudest of was uh, they did this thing. It was the golden ticket battle Royal yep. and the winner, it, you know, it was essentially the, you know, like the money in the bank kind of thing. Um, and Melanie Cruz, Melanie Cruz was the winner of the, uh, the all, the all male battle Royal. And she would go on to cash that in and beat rough crossing later for the belt. And uh, I managed Melanie for like about a year. Uh, and she was the champion for about a year. So it was also like a pretty brave move for a, for a wrestling company to have a woman as their champion mm -hmm. wrestling and beating other guys. Like for, you know, like I said, for a, about a year. So like that sticks out to me. And I, I hope when it gets looked back on, like it gets people are like, oh, yeah, they did that over there. Like I, th I thought it was pretty cool that we were doing that. Yeah, and another guy I had on the show uh, within the last couple of years on a couple of occasions was Nick Hausman, a guy who did a little bit of work with you guys as well. Yes, he was uh, Ronaldo Pivot. Yeah, he yes. was there. He was there for sure. <laughs> Good stuff. And then uh, you mentioned Melanie Cruz. I know on that night on WrestleFest 5, that was rough going over Al Snow to win the title. Mm -hmm. And then she came out and kind of teased the cash in there. And I think he just kind of smooched him on the lips. But right. I think, I guess the cash in happened a little while later on a different. A little show. while later, because we had to lull a uh, rough crossing into a false sense of security that like Melanie Cruz wasn't a challenge to him. In fact, she tore up that golden ticket. She kissed him right in the center of the ring. You know, like, oh. so there's no threat coming from her until later. And then that's when it happened. So, yeah. You mentioned you were the booker for uh, Blitz for a while. Uh, one of the concepts I thought was kind of cool and kind of different was that hot potato title <laughs> where you basically were trying to, you know, get rid of that title by uh, by winning. So it uh, was it was something we started in uh, LWF in the Lunatic Wrestling Federation. OK. And it was this, it, it, that's it, it's essentially it was the uh, the lowest ranked wrestler on your roster. Well, the two of them, the two lowest ranked guys. That was how you present it. Uh, these two guys fight for a title, and they're both trying to win, thinking they're going to come out and be a champion, and the winner doesn't win a belt. In fact, it's the loser who remains in the lowest position. And it's like this albatross. It's this ugly belt. We squirted it with, uh, like, brute cologne, so it stank. Like, it was just this humiliating thing you had to carry around if you were the worst wrestler. So 
Yeah, it was just, you know, if there's title belts uh, for the winners and the different winners, the different tag team winners and the this, that and the other, why not uh, something to commemorate who the worst is? <laughs> That's pretty awesome. I didn't realize they went all the way back to the LWF. That yeah. Cool. Yeah. And then we're going to get into that in just a second. But uh, let's talk a little bit about your personal wrestling background. Now, how did you get into wrestling? What drew you to it? Um, I legitimately was uh, nine years old. Classic story. I was over at my grandma's house where you had to get up and click, click, click on the TV. You had to walk across the room, you know, and um, I didn't want to watch what she had on and she left the room. So I click, 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 change the station at the exact moment. And this was first run. This wasn't even a repeat. This is what was going on this week. Uh, Roddy Piper smashing a coconut over Jimmy Snooker's head was the first thing I actually saw. And I'm like, okay, this looks like sports. There seems to be like a, an audience. They're like, they're in an arena. These men are really angry and yelling at each other. Oh my God, this man just hit this other man with this fruit. And I was glued to it. I didn't know what it was. They went to commercial and then they came back and like it had settled down into like the regular wrestling program. Here comes guys out to the ring to wrestle. And I was like, wow, is that what this is? And literally that was it for the rest of my life. Uh, at least twice, at least twice a week, I was stuck watching this program. Um, but it was Piper smashing the coconut, and I was fascinated by what was going on. That's amazing. So, you just happened to turn that I on. I just happened to see it. So yeah. I, that's how I became a fan. And it was years later, a bunch of friends of mine and I, uh, we were watching WrestleMania 9, and we got so angry at Hulk Hogan winning that mm -hmm. we're like, we should start our own wrestling company. Rah, we're a bunch of like angry teenagers, you know, think we're going to beat the WWE someday, you know, or WWF someday. Mm -hmm. Ridiculous. Um, but that was what we did, and that was how it started. And then, like, more friends heard about it, and more friends heard about it. And then, like, girlfriends and just friends heard about it that weren't going to get involved. They were just going to come watch it. And that's how we just started building this, uh, this like, backyard cult, I suppose, in a way. Um, but, yeah, so that was what it is. And we just got bigger and bigger and goofier and goofier. So, basically, when you did shows in the backyard, I mean, did you have, like, mats or something like that? You didn't actually have ring, right? So the first summer, which was or the first two summers, 1993 and 1994, we just spray painted a square on the ground. <laughs> and that was it. And like, and we had posts that we like my parents went away. So we dug these holes in the backyard. Otherwise, you know, we'd get yelled at. So we had to wait till they went away. So we dug the holes and we spray painted the square. And that was our ring. Um, and a couple of years later, we kind of built this wooden thing, which also wasn't safe. So we used that for a couple of years. And then. We started to sock aside a little bit of money and we actually bought a ring, which ended up being a UWF ring. And like we were just re just like this past week, we were watching videos and like, that's our old ring. And like the Ultimate Warrior was in it and Sting was in it. Like it was it was pretty crazy, like to see like the lineage of our ring. But I digress. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty crazy. Um, yeah. So audience wise, it was just basically flyering people and word of mouth and stuff like that. Flyering, flyering high schools. and. Um, and basically, it was people were like curious, like, oh, what, what are these guys doing? And then we were kind of out in this remote location in the burbs, and it sort of turned into like backyard parties. But there was like this makeshift wrestling ring there, but we didn't care. People were coming out and they were donating like money and stuff like that. So again, we were just socking aside money. It was kind of like an organized backyard party sort of thing with flyers, you know, which I guess is just a backyard party. But we had a wrestling ring. You didn't actually wrestle, right? You were more just like a promoter manager type. 
Uh, I mean, I tried like, and I just sort of flopped around and it got, you know, you get hurt and you're like, why, why do I do that? When I can just stand there with a microphone and wear a suit jacket and just say these guys' names instead of like getting in there and fighting. <laughs> it was just, it was pretty easy. It was an easy decision. And the wrestlers at the time were just like high school buddies of yours. Yeah. Yeah. High school buddies, like people from work. Uh, you know, I was managing a comic book store. So like there was people that were coming in there and we were bringing them into our group and stuff. Very nice. Um, so when it became time to quote legitimize it, I mean, was just before that. I mean, were there like suspicions from people or authorities or anything like that? You mean like to our backyard party? Yeah, like people trying things? to break it up, stuff like that. Uh, they would they would get pretty big. Uh, they're like three hundred people and stuff would be showing up at these things. But again, we were in this remote location, so we didn't really get bothered too much. Although. We did hear a story that like an undercover cop showed up and he was just checking it out and there was nothing to report. So he just left. But that was like our brush with uh, whatever, because we were doing them every other week or at least at least once a month, sometimes twice a month. Um, and it got on the radar of like, I guess, the local authorities. What are these gatherings over here on the street? So that's why they sent in an undercover guy. <laughs> he was like, that's ah, fine. Yeah, and then when you tried to become legitimate in 97, you had to go through, like, the commission and stuff like that and follow all these rules, right? Yes, yes. And the uh, rules were just ridiculous, you know? I mean, yeah, a lot of uh, draconian things, a lot of extra things you had to have, like, yeah, an ambulance or something in an event or a doctor oh, yeah. or stuff like that. There was stuff that, like, if it makes sense, you know, you, you have an EMT, you know, but... Uh, the state was like, we need to know his name and we need to know this and we need to have his license number and we need to know this three weeks before your show and we need to know everybody who's wrestling on the show. We need their real names. We need their weight. We're going to have somebody there to check their blood pressure. You got to have insurance. We need a copy of the fire inspection and it has to be up to date for the building. And it was just all this stuff, like you said, this draconian stuff. And we would have to call a venue and they'd be like, oh, you're the wrestling guys? We're like, yeah, um, we need a copy of your most recent fire inspection. And they were like, oh, you guys are ridiculous, you know. But it, it was just, like, tough to get all these things. And um, once you get all that stuff together, then you got to send in your paperwork a month before the show. Otherwise, you can't have the show. And then there's a $75 fee for that. And then on top of it, they send a guy out from the state who takes 10% of your gate. Anyway, it's like, come on, leave us alone. Just leave us alone. Now, um, I just saw on your Facebook not that long ago, uh, it's been 25 years since that first legitimate LWF show in 1997. So yeah. take me back to 1997. I was just uh, graduating college at that point and, and getting into the workforce, my real life. But you guys were legitimate on your feet, drawing in people and you're under the commission. So what? take me inside that first show. It was so nerve wracking because... You go from the backyard shows where even though there's like 250, 300 people, you almost know everybody. You kind of know everybody. You know why everybody's there. You know what's going on. And um, now we're doing this this show for real in a real ring, in a real place that we've actually rented. Like, you know, and we're we're all like 19 or 20 years old at this point. You know, we're not or, you know, 22, something like that. Um we're not accomplished businessmen. We're just a bunch of kids that are still like five years later. We're still cooking with this, this dream, this idea. And it's just gotten bigger. We're going through all these, uh, jumping through all these hoops, all this red tape, doing all the, the bidding of the state. And we're, we're scared shitless because again, we're kids and we have to do this. We have to do this right. This is our one shot. We're, 
we're on the same level now as like PWI or Windy City. Like we've got a ring, we're charging. And we were, like I said, we were scared shitless because at this point, we're charging 10 American dollars uh, to strangers, you know? So when you have your friends and family coming, it's one thing. You, you have a little bit of goof off room, but uh, now putting on a show f- for the public and charging money, it's like, well, we have to make sure that this exceeds our goals uh, or our expectations. Otherwise, it was the day of hotlines back in the day, the wrestling hotlines. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, our messages are going to be blown up. You guys suck. Go away. We waited a year for this, blah, blah, blah. You know, so we were, it was like having a gun to your head. And we were just like, go, 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 go. And we were getting um, comments from people. Like I said, we had a hotline. So people were calling and leaving us messages. And some local wrestlers from other feds in the area were calling and leaving us messages. Like, you guys are never going to make it. You're going to suck, blah, 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 blah. And then we had some of those guys show up at our first show and ask if they could work it. So it was just, it was just weird. And like, we didn't know all the politics of Chicago wrestling yet because we came from something else. So like, we didn't, we didn't come through the Windy City camp or get trained by Sonny Rogers or whatever, but now we're on the same uh, playing field as these guys. So it was, it was weird. It was just a, it was a weird time, but it was really exhilarating. It was really exciting. Yeah, and you had to compete with a, a company like Windy City, who had a pretty nice TV clearance there for a while in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was pretty amazing what you guys were able to do and, and cultivating talent. I and mean, some guy named CM Punk was on your first LWF show. I guess I've heard of Lumberjack. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but CM Punk was all the way in the backyards, too. He was from 93. So, I mean, so he was he was there for all those years leading up to the... Um, the the first legal show i guess ah, you could say okay so he's part of the whole underground movement with you guys too then yes wow. yes well he uh skinny, skinny punk kid going back to the day man wow amazing right right and i know who else from that first show um do you really remember or even kind of stay in touch with nowadays i mean there's so many names out there I, it's funny i stay in touch with all of them i stay in touch with everybody uh I, with the exception of cm punk but from CM Venom to Supreme, Braun the Lumberjack, uh, Charcoal the Mimic, Havoc, Mad Mark Osleever. Uh, I still talk to him, obviously. Um, we try to get together once every couple of weeks for a few beers, you know. And the rest of the guys, like I see them all the time. Like we are still a uh, a family. We didn't we didn't get destroyed by pro wrestling. We didn't come out of it hating each other or anything like that. It's a it's a great it's it's the greatest actually. And then you get, you know, you mentioned a lot of those guys and you had like Mike Brooks, you had acid, you had Eric priest. And then later yeah. on you had uh, Ryan Bosco through there, grin machine. And you mentioned mad Mark. So you had some really big names in the area kind of come and go through uh, the mm-hmm. LWF. Yeah. Um, we were the alternative. We, like I said, uh, Sonny or even Jimmy blaze later, you know, the PWI Powell, whatever was going on. Um, Windy city, they had this like structured thing, you know, come in, pay your dues. We'll teach you this. And in two years, we'll put you on a show. Maybe after you bust your ass and blah, you know, it was this whole formula. And we just had a lighter, looser version of it. I think when we, when we came in, because when we came in, we, we started because we hated WWF. So when we came in and we saw these other companies that were like, wanted to be like WWF, we're like, we don't want to be like you guys either. And it, that made us angry and that made competition start to happen. So we, we wanted our, practices to be different than theirs yeah um 
WWF was kind of getting cartoonish at that point. They're kind of in between like the Hogan era going into the new generation and such like that. And then modeling the LWF when you guys got legitimate. I mean, at that time you had ECW. You had, it was starting to become the Attitude Era. And you had the Monday Night War. So did you like borrow concepts from all those things when you did the LWF? No. no. Um, we didn't like... I didn't like hardcore wrestling we were called lunatic wrestling federation but it was more because the characters were all like sort of demented and weird people not because they were taking razors to their heads or jumping off of the shed or or whatever which i guess like looking back at it um i know there were a lot of venues when we tried to like apply for a venue like what what are you oh we're the lunatic wrestling federation oh we've seen stuff like this on the news Uh, we don't want that and i think it might have like knocked us out of the box for like a few deals but at the same time um it was a different name than windy city wrestling or uh championship blah 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 blah, or whatever other three or four letters wrestling companies put together to stand for something um so yeah i mean we there was guys that were watching ecw i think punk was watching ecw but we weren't like hanging our hat on any one specific Mm -hmm. thing going on the attitude area era was cool uh because it was happening and as an indie company in Chicago, we were getting like the runoff from it. Our attendance was up, but we weren't like trying to do like um, to, to, the when the girls wrestle in the mud or whatever. We weren't trying to do like those things, those mm-hmm. gimmick matches and stuff like that. I don't know and why you drew got... a blank on girls wrestling in the mud. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. And you guys went to in the LWF legitimately until about 2004 from what I saw. Yeah, yeah. Now, what happened so, kind of toward the end? Uh, towards the end, like, you know, the, the thing that we had wished for, which was the state commission to finally sort of evaporate and go away. The thing we wished so hard for, it actually happened. And when that happened, it um, it became lawless. And anybody that could get their hands on four posts and some rope was suddenly a pro wrestling promoter. So all these companies came out of nowhere. And then some of the guys that would be on your roster that, like, well, they're never going to book me as champion. I'm going to start my own. Like, so there was a lot of that. There was just so much competition. And then it was just like, you know what? Um, Let's stop fighting for this slice of pie right now. Let's just kind of, let's just kind of go under and reassess this. And if we want to come back, we'll come back. We did 11 years from backyard to like legit. And this was something like when we were kids, we never even ever could have imagined we'd ever step foot in a wrestling ring. And now like we have it and we did it and we, we conquered our area for the time. And we had superstars come out of our company. Like we did everything that we wanted to do in a little bit more, I think. So in, in Oh four, we were like, let's just put it to bed for a little bit. Then what did you do afterward? I know blitz wasn't for a while yet after that. So did you go to other companies and work for other people? I worked for AAW. Uh, I think I, I was their commissioner guy for maybe like a year or something. I did commentary. I did commentary for like a bunch of a bunch of companies. Um, I think I did. I did stuff with Powell. I'm in the Powell Hall of Fame. Um, I did. <laughs> I did. A, I did a little bit of stuff everywhere. And people would would call me and and book me for stuff. And they were like, I was afraid to call you and book you because I figured you were busy. And I was like, What? No, Jesus, just call. <laughs> so like. I think I lost a lot of bookings because people just thought I was busy, which I, I wasn't. So, so so book me. If you're listening, book me. I'm free even now today. <laughs> yeah, 
And speaking of now today, um, mm-hmm. I know you've been working on some stuff kind of behind the scenes uh, amongst yourself. I don't know if you have any partners at all doing this, I but there's a do. project you've been working on. So let me in on it a little bit. So um, the the ultimate idea of where LWF was actually destined to go was um, with the goofiest characters, with the, the craziest storylines, like um, intricate storylines, but just super goofy. Uh, if that makes sense. And maybe I'll try to explain. But um, we all know at this point that pro wrestling is a predetermined sport, blah, 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 blah. And we also know that um, sometimes the things that pop the crowd the most are the wackiest, weirdest things that that you can see, the like fun stuff, you know. Don't get me wrong. Watching two, uh, two people wrestle around for eight to ten minutes it, it is fantastic. But sometimes if there's like a weird story behind it, that's it's even better. And that was the goal with this thing we're doing called Night of the Super Wrestlers. And uh, I do have a partner. It's CM Venom. He's uh, from the old LWF days. Mm-hmm. We share the same the same dream for wrestling, which is just weird booking and weird characters. And uh, it's going to center around a tournament, a one night only tournament where the strangest wrestlers will come out of the woodwork and compete for this championship. Um which a spoiler, we're going to reveal it in the next couple of months, but it's not a championship belt. Uh, it's going to be this other object. And these wrestlers are going to come out of the woodwork because they all need this thing. Uh, so they're all going to be fighting to be champion on this one night to get this object, which, um, like I said, in the next couple of weeks and stuff, there'll be more videos. Uh, but yeah, Night of the Super Wrestlers. And we're shooting for April, Sunday. April 23rd, 2023, at the Concord Music Hall in Chicago. Uh, We tried to do this uh, in May of 2020, but that was when everything went to shit. So this this project has kind of been on the back uh, burners for two and a half years now, a little bit longer, some of the some of the stuff. Um, But it's all about these weird characters that are coming together uh, on this one night. There's some time travel. There's some. There's a barbarian, there's a wizard, there's all kinds of weird stuff that's going to happen. And it's just sort of like, take the fun stuff about wrestling and just go all the way with it. Just go full gimmick storylines. Now, are these guys like workers you're going to be working with playing characters or is are these? Yes. Okay. Yes. It'll be, they'll be, it'll be people that, that, you know, um, just with a different spin on them. Interesting. Okay. Night of the Super Wrestlers coming in 2023. And maybe we'll have you on the show again before that to talk a little bit more about it. Oh, yeah. I would love it because I'm going to be in full promotional mode. I'll be everywhere around that time. Awesome. Uh, Looking forward to the progress and the development of uh, the Night of the Super Wrestlers. All right. Um, You're an 80s kid, obviously. We've talked about this a little bit before the show and even at shows I've seen yet in the past. And I've seen your social media, you're a He-Man and Master Universe guy. You mentioned Transformers as well. Much like myself with the He-Man stuff, Ryan Cross, Jeff Luxon, Rough Crossing is another guy that's mm-hmm. really into it. So what kind of attracted you to that? I mean, was it, oh, this is cool. I'm going to, I want this. And you had your parents buy the stuff? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, my mom and dad were really cool. I, I, I'm an only, was I'm an only child and, um, I think maybe they were just like, oh, let's keep them quiet. Let's throw a Star Wars toy at them or something. And uh, 
it worked. <laughs> it kept me quiet uh, for a while. I wasn't a bad kid. I was spoiled, but I wasn't a bad kid. I realized, like, if I'm good, I'll just get more toys. And that thing on the back of the package that says, collect them all. Boy, I took it to heart. Uh, so, yeah, it, um, Star Wars then led into Masters of the Universe, which then led into Transformers and G.I. Joe. And then, you know, you get older and here you are like 40 years later and they're putting all the toys out again in like bigger forms and more expensive and this and that. And, well, it still says collect them all in the back of the package. So I'm in. <laughs> now, uh, vintage stuff. Do you still have a lot of your mint vintage? I have universe? everything. I saved everything. I didn't know that like one of these days I'd really appreciate having it sit on a shelf. I just was like, oh, this is my stuff. Got to keep it good. And uh, I did. I say I save everything everything yeah i have to go into my mom's attic at some point because it's been resting up there since 1990 but those were the days yeah i had all that out i had the eternia playset and everything and you had the eternia playset yes i did yeah do you still have the eternia playset it should still be up in my uh, mom's attic don't let ryan cross know man (laughs) or me my god (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping that there's no like any damage or anything from it being up there all those years. And yeah, I think sometime within the next few months, it's going to be a mission to go up there, get all that out, see what I got, and see how it looks. And yeah, for God, sure, it's still you are one good. of the few people that got the attorney a playset. Yeah. That's it's crazy. Wow. All right. Yeah, got it for Christmas. I believe it was '86 at Weebolt yes. in Fort City. Yeah. Oh wow, Weebolt in Fort. Absolutely. I, wow. All right. <laughs> yep yeah and that was a hell of a time i couldn't have it till christmas but i knew i was getting it so i was so excited because it was like a piece of furniture they couldn't hide it you know yeah exactly who was gonna waste the paper wrapping that you know and then my my mom's joke about it was uh i'm gonna get a hernia carrying eternia (laughs) (laughs) but yeah the anticipation just until that day on christmas where i was able to unwrap it and and play with it and put all the stickers and decals on and tram together oh wow yeah this is good stuff. And I had two Castle Grayskulls. One I got from my one of my best friends at the time from across the street. And I had Snake Mountain. I had the Fright Zone. I, I had pretty much oh. 97% of the collection. And it was yeah. pretty amazing. And uh, I think Who were the, you missing? Who were you even missing? Some you had Eternia. Some of the stuff toward the end, they brought like some scuba attack thing. Oh, okay. Right. Scuba attack. Yeah. And the sure. giants that never really were distributed. Titus and Megator, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you ever see the Masters Classics? Did you ever look into that stuff? Uh, Ma- Masters of the Universe Classics. So they... From like 10 or so years ago, they started Yeah, yeah I've, yeah, I've seen those in stores, and they've always kind of attracted me a little bit, but I never oh, really man. got into them just because, number one, I was probably more into wrestling toys at that point. And, sure. And two, it's like, you only have so much money. Incredible. Right. The collection is deep and it's expensive and it's thank God it's over, but it ran for like 10 to 12 years and it, it's it's wonderful. Yes. <laughs> and I do have a few of the origins items too, kind mm-hmm. of here and there in my office and I'm starting to kind of organize a little bit. But yeah, uh, those are fun. All the movable parts, the way they move and everything. I love them. Yeah, the articulation is amazing mm-hmm. on those suckers. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then I was also, like you mentioned Star Wars. I have probably like 30 to 40 Star Wars. Uh, I used to have the Ewok Village, but I threw it out years ago when I was oh. I wish I still had that. <laughs> but I put my Masters of the Universe slime pit slime in the Ewok net. So it kind of messed up the net. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then we ended up throwing it out. I was like, oh, man. And, I, and this is a guy that doesn't throw anything out. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I also had um, 
Secret Wars a little bit. And I had yep. Thundercats. That I was got also super, superpowers that are like behind me over there. And like, yeah, yeah. They're bringing those superpower things back too now. I go they to Walmart are. and see those. They are. They're like Walmart exclusives. <laughs> yeah, that's like just like back in the day. Yeah. It's crazy. And now, what <laughs> is your absolute favorite toy of all time? Oh, man, it's tough because um, I'm weird. I remember when I got every single one of them. I know, like, I remember, like, who gave it to me? What Christmas? This and that. Um, I think, I, honestly, yeah, here it is. Here it is. <clears throat> the current uh, Black Series Darth Vader. Oh, sweet. It is a perfect Darth Vader figure uh, to scale helmet, everything. It, he's just, he's iconic. I know it might sound basic, but uh, if you get yourself one of these, this is all you need. If like everything got wiped out, this one Darth Vader sitting on the desk would be the way to go. The new GI Joe um, classified guys are great. Uh, Transformer masterpiece guys. I love them. We're living in a golden age. <laughs> yes, we are. And my only Darth Vader that I had when I was a kid was like the Kenner one where the lightsaber came out through the arm. Where through the arm. Flick it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Crazy how they made those back in the day. Yeah, so cheap. <laughs> and uh, story for you, too, and you're going to love this, and hopefully the uh, fans of the show will love it, too. I had my Star Wars figures. I had my Masters of the Universe figures. I had my Thundercats figures and a few other. I had some A-team guys, too, like Mr. T and, you know, guys like that. And hence, Thundercats Wrestling Federation was born. (laughs) And I had all these matches and storylines and Lionel was the champion. And then uh, Mumra and Skeletor would be the main antagonists. And. And it went on for years in my imagination and I would play with a couple of friends too. And he would bring his figures in. And then we did a crossover event and his company was called universal wrestling. So the Thundercats wrestling federation met the universal wrestling federation. And then walrus man from star Wars was like the big <laughs> heel over there. And it's kind of crazy yeah. how we did it. <laughs> That's great. And I even did my own magazine too for a few issues. Where oh, wow. Interviews with the stars. And I did all these rankings like PWI used to do. See, it's destiny. It was just destiny that you're you're doing this. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so, do you collect any of the um, Masters Origins now? I do. Um, I have most of them, um, and I, I I keep them in the package, uh, and I, I'm hanging on the wall down in, in the basement. Mm-hmm. I just like the old school packaging. Yes, takes you back. Takes you back to that Toys R Us. Uh, off Cicero in Ford City. Yeah. 79. That was my go to Toys R Us. Yeah. That was the first Toys R Us before like Orland got one and all, like Matson got one, but like that was the Toys R Us. Uh, but yeah, I keep them all in the package. Uh, uh, you can very carefully with an X Acto knife slice the bottom, pull the guy out, look at him, you put him right back in, put him back on the wall. So like, but I, I, I like the packaging of mm-hmm. those guys. Yeah, it's so much fun reminiscing about the old toys and even like the the throwback toys they have now of those old toys and yeah. And wrestling figures is kind of an addiction for me too. I probably have hundreds of them open and in package. I just didn't need to figure out how to display them and stuff like that. And that that's coming. This mm-hmm. office is eventually going to be like a wrestling office, but right now it's still kind of like a mishmash of a few things and yeah. my work office too for my shoot job. But Sure. One of these days it's going to happen. Hopefully before I'm 50. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Billy Wack. Um, go ahead and plug social media. If you have any merchandise by chance and whatever other upcoming shows or projects you might be part of. Uh, I don't have any merch yet, 
I'm, I'm I'm looking into it. I'm looking. I've never had merch, but everyone's like, you should have merch. So uh, I'll we'll look out. I'll have merch soon. Uh, but you can find me uh, on Instagram, Billy Wack, uh, and that Wack is W H A C K. YouTube, the same thing. I got a channel. Uh, they, they let us do our, our um, just our names now, so it's just like at Billy Wack or whatever on YouTube. I have some LWF Vault videos, some old school stuff. Um, what did I say? Instagram. Also, Super Wrestlers has its own YouTube. I'm in a music group called Better Predator. Check out Better Predator on YouTube. Uh, and I also work with the Mud Queens, Chicago's premier mud wrestling company, I guess. I guess you could say. I'm their MC. So I help the Mud Queens. I'm in Better Predator. Check out Billy Wack on YouTube and Instagram. And the Super Wrestlers. Night of the Super Wrestlers, April 23rd, 2023. All right, Billy, it's been a pleasure and so much fun having you on. Probably one of the, some of the most fun I've had interviewing somebody, and this was really, awesome. really cool. Thanks for having me. All right, we'll catch you down the line, my friend. All right, we'll see you. Really fun conversation with Billy Wack. The LWF, Pro Wrestling Blitz, action figures, you name it, we talked about it. And stay tuned for the Night of Super Wrestlers coming in 2023. And we hope to have Billy back on the show to talk a little bit more about that in the coming months. All right, next week, we're going to recap Survivor Series, talk about the local happenings, and preview another big weekend around the region. Plus, we welcome to the show for the very first time... The hits keep on coming. We're bringing in longtime Chicagoland independent wrestler, Polly Tomaselli. And you can catch all that right here on Windy City Slam Podcast. So long, everybody.